gentlemen, this is Jay Croydon of the Rust Belt Blues Podcast. It has been a minute. Yes, yes, it has. So let's, I got a little bit to get into and then I have a topic. So I have an outline for my show today. Uh, a viewer had, e- or a viewer, a listener had emailed me. Uh, suggesting I should do an outline because I get scatterbrained a lot. So this will be the first episode with an outline. Uh, so hopefully that goes well. Uh, I don't see why it wouldn't. Uh, so this is uh, Jay Croydon coming at you. Rust Belt Blues podcast from uh, Rochester, New York. Uh, it's an interesting weather day today. Uh, we got some cold fronts moving in. And, uh, some snow predicted. Uh, not too much, but, you know, just enough to be a hassle. But it's uh, over the weekend, so hopefully that uh, helps things. Uh, okay, so it's been a, I don't even know, maybe a week or so since I podcasted. I've been uh, a very blue, as they say lately. I don't know, just a complete lack of motivation to do anything other than uh, play video games, honestly. Uh, so... Let's see here. Uh, I got another email about always being high when I when I podcast. Uh, you know that's when mo- the motivation hits, the the juices flow. Uh, hopefully that I can I can get that going without without smoking because I'm actually going to uh, lay off that for a bit probably. Uh, you know just uh, different reasons. So uh, let's see. You know, uh, yeah. So, uh, over the past, I don't even know. Since Christmas, really, I've just been thinking about my life uh, up to now. Uh, so, maybe that's why I get so depressed. But, uh, <laughs> so, uh, I don't know wh- why the topic today popped in my mind, but it did. So, I figured I would hop on it while, uh, while the iron was hot. Uh, so I'm going to tell the story of, uh, a night that, that changed the trajectory of my life, uh, uh, when I was arrested, uh, when I was 19, uh, that was my first serious arrest, and a lot, uh, I don't know, a lot of things came, uh, because of it. Uh, and you know that's the catalyst for for a lot of stuff right there. That that one night, and that was the thought I had. How how one night can just completely change your whole whole life. So that's the topic I'm going to get into today. Uh, yeah, it's not funny or anything, but you know it is what it is. So that's what I feel like talking about. That's what we're talking about today. So yes. Uh, I'm going to take a break, uh, get settled in for the main segment, and uh, I'll meet you back here. Well, I'm here on the couch, you're out there in podcast land, so uh, I'll see you back uh, in a moment. We're back, or I'm back, I should say. Uh, 
The cats have woken up and are playing, so I don't know if some uh, extreme cat wrestling or ECW, as I call it, will be going on or what's going to be going on in the background. But, uh, yeah, that might be a thing. So today I'm talking about uh, uh, my arrest uh, at the age of 19, and I was charged with uh, sexual abuse in the first degree was the charge uh, I was arrested for. So uh, let's get into that. All right, so it all started, I went over to a kid kid's house I knew at the time, his name was Tom. Uh, Tom was 18, and he was at the, I, at that time I was volunteering at uh, Penfield Ambulance, and uh, that's how we met uh, through there, and we started hanging out, um, I don't know, he was a, I, I don't even know how to describe him, he was, he was, you know, he was short and stocky, with white guy, like acne and thick glasses and shit. I don't know. He seemed interesting. I didn't really have any friends. I, I didn't really have any friends. So, <laughs> um, we started hanging out uh, outside of the ambulance base. So, I would go over to his house. Uh, his dad uh, was, I think he was retired at the time, but he, he, was a, he had been an RPD investigator. Uh, so, uh, you know, he had a little green Mustang, it was the V6 automatic, I remember that, I used to make fun of him all the time, and he lived, uh, a ways from my house, I remember one night, I was like, bored as shit, it was like 11 in the morning, I was talking to him on the phone, and he was like, why don't you just come over, and I was like, because I'll have to walk, and it'll be like, you know, a two hour walk, and uh, I don't know if you'll be up that late, and he said, yeah, come over, we'll play video games, so I, I ended up walking all the way, uh, from my house over there by Wegmans and Penfield down 441 to Panorama Trail, down Panorama Trail, up to Panorama Trail, down down by uh, Indian Landing School, and then through the neighborhood to his house. Uh, I remember his mom, was, it was like f- 5 in the morning, and we're, we're, we got coffee on in the kitchen, and, and we're making a cup, each of us, and his mom walked in, and the... <laughs> She was, her, his parents were older, and, and that lady just was, like, so fucking confused. I don't think she ever liked me. Uh, more, more on that later. But, so that was, yeah, that was Tom. Uh, and, and uh, you know, I, I hung out with Tom. Uh, I don't even know. I don't remember how much. But, anyway, so this, this occur, the incident in question uh, occurred at Tom's house. Uh, it was uh, a night get-together, I guess. I don't know. So it was me and Tom, Tom and I, sorry. Uh, and, uh, his neighbor friend from down the road, a little, uh, ginger kid named, uh, Ch- Ch- Chaz, Chester, <laughs> Charles, it was Charles, and they called him Chaz, uh, I don't know, so it was Tom, Chaz, and I, and then Tom had, had a girl, uh, he, I guess, I don't, I'm not entirely sure, it was a friend of a friend of his, uh, they were, they were hanging out for, like, I, I think it might have been the first time, actually, but so, uh, we're all we're all hanging out at Tom's house and uh, hold on, coffee break. So you know, we're hanging out and it was uh, in I remember being in the basement, uh, and and she was like telling dirty jokes, and we, and we were telling dirty jokes and everyone was laughing and shit and uh, and then she she said her her tits were like double D's and I and I was like that's shenanigans, 
and uh, she she kept insisting, and I was like, nah, I can I can feel I can see him, uh, and then I grabbed him, I grabbed a titty, uh, and uh, I was like, yeah, see, they're not double D's. And she like giggled, and uh, I, at one point we had put like put a, a, a cell phone on vibrate, and we're shooting it down her shirt, like. But she was giggling, and it didn't seem anything at the time, you know. So then we went, we left the basement, and we walked down the street over to Chaz's house, and it was dark by this time, and uh, I think it was around October this happened. Uh, October, November, or something maybe. Uh, not entirely sure of the timing. It was in that 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 span though. So um, we walked over to Chaz's house and he stole a couple uh, Jenny, Jenny cream ales from his dad's uh, garage fridge. Uh, and we walked uh, th- you know a couple blocks over to the to the school, uh, uh, the backfield of the of the Indian Landing Elementary School. And uh, Tom had a beer bong. That's what it was. We had gone to the mall during the day. So I'm hanging out with these fuckers, like, uh, all, all day. We went to the mall. We went to, like, Spencer's Gifts. And Tom got one of those, like, green funnel beer bongs. So I remember that's why Chad... Now I remember that's why Chaz went to go get the Jenny Cream Ale. Because that's, like, that's how inexperienced I was with, like, drinking and shit. I, uh, I had always been into the drugs. I had drank like Smirnoff, like I had a Smirnoff phase when when I was like 16 and then a Labatt blue, blue phase because everyone around, you know, everyone that I grew up around drank Labatt blue. So, you know, I never drank Genesee cream ale. I had never even drank Jenny or Jenny Light at this point. So I don't know, you shouldn't be beer bonging, you know, Jenny cream ale. Uh, it's just a poor, poor life choice there. So... Chad steals the beers, he gets like two or, no, he gets four beers or whatever, yeah, it was four, because I had two, and so we go over to the field, and uh, Tom fills up the funnel, and, and drinks it, and like spits it out everywhere, and shit, and, uh, now mind you, I'm 19, he's 18, and Chaz is like 18, so, you know, we're young, and, uh, so, so I funneled the two, no problem, I mean, it was disgusting, and my stomach was like, yeah. Uh, so then, like, we're, we so started walking down the sidewalk. So we're on a street, uh, North Landing Road, and uh, it goes from the old Penfield Road over to uh, Blossom Road there. Uh, Mercy's over in that neighborhood and, and shit. So we walked down the street from the Indian Landing School past the deli, and the deli was closed because we were like, let's go get a snack at the deli. No, the deli was open. We went to the deli. And then uh, we walk, we're walking back, and, and Tom slaps her on the ass with the beer bong. And then, like, I slap her on the ass with the beer bong. And, and then Tom goes, oh, I can make her jump. And I said, how? And he goes, oh, I can slap her so hard with my hand. So he slapped her, like, really hard on her ass with his hand. And, and, she, and I remember this moment very vividly still. Uh, she turned around and was like, yo, cut that shit out, uh, you know, and don't, you know, d- be done with that, basically. So uh, we're walking, and then we get back to close to Tom's house, and Tom hits her again with the beer bong on the ass, like super fucking hard. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I can't. I can't speak on on his motivations. But so he hit her really, really hard, and she like yelled at her in pain and shit. And uh, Tom started laughing, and you know it was just, and she was just, you know. So we went back to the basement, and she's kind of like over it. So you know we're we're all she she uh, called uh, 
she had, you know her, she has to use the phone to call for a ride. So now, mind you, I'm I'm not I'm I don't understand anything anything that's going on at this point because I'm too young and too inexperienced in these kind of, in this situation. I've never been in this situation. So um, uh, uh, so she couldn't get a ride. So we uh, you know we. Tom said, uh, you know, we'll take you home. We, we got to take John home anyway. So we dropped her off she, uh, in the trailer park there, and then I got dropped off at the house, and, and that was that. And uh, so, like, I don't even know, uh, a week later maybe? Uh, it's in the evening time. I'm in the living room watching the TV. Uh, my parents are, like, across the whole house in the office, which was, like, you know, the living room was in front of the... The, the dining room was in front of the living room, and that down that hall was the bedrooms at the end of the hall, and, and then off their bedroom was the, the office. So, I mean, they're on the complete opposite fucking side of the house. And that's what they did every night. They came home and ate dinner and then, then went over to the office. Uh, so, I, uh, I'm watching TV in the living room like I always did. And uh, uh, the doorbell rings, so I go and answer it. Uh, and it, two, two older gentlemen are there. Uh, and I go, and, you know, yeah, can I, you know, can I help you? And they're like, yeah, uh, are, are you Jonathan Marullo? And I say, yeah, that's me. And they go, oh, we, uh, we're from the Brighton Police Department and we need to talk to you. And I said, oh, okay. And I, you know, they say, can we come in? And I said, sure, uh, come in. And I'm not thinking any, anything of this. And, uh, I, you know, I'm I'm racking my brain. I've had I had encounters with police prior to this point. I've been arrested uh, twice before that, and uh, so I'm racking my brain, and I can't think of anything I've done. That's you know, the police should be knocking on my door about, especially in Brighton. I'm like, when the fuck was I in Brighton? Let alone in Brighton doing illegal shit. So they come in, and uh, sorry, coffee break. So we had a lo- at the time there was the long the long dining room wooden table was out. We didn't eat in the dining room unless it was uh, like a holiday gathering. We always ate in the kitchen. It was big enough. There was a table. So we never really used the dining room. The piano was there. It was a little like electric piano that we practiced on my sister and I when we took piano lessons as kids. And uh, you know the the sliding glass door to the deck was uh was off the the dining room and uh, I don't know. So anyway, we sit down at this big long table, and uh, I don't remember how exactly it went, but they started like asking me questions, uh, and then they read me this uh, this statement uh, from a girl, from the girl uh, that was there, uh, Rebecca. I still rem- I do remember her last name. I won't put it out there because that that's petty as fuck. So uh, they read this statement from Rebecca, and uh, you know some of it seems familiar to me, uh, as, uh, uh, you know, and, and lines up with my recollection of the night, but then, you know, at the end, uh, I, you know, she claimed she, uh, th- a lot of, she claimed a lot of stuff that didn't happen, um, uh, I, the, the thing, the, the main thing that I, I really was not, you know, pleased about being accused of is she claimed that she, she felt unsafe and, like, we weren't, we wouldn't let her leave the basement, which, you know, and, and now that I'm older and, and I look back on my life, like, yeah, it was, it was a mistake I made and it was stupid and I shouldn't have done it, 
but you know, at no time ever did I feel like we 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 made anybody feel unsafe, or like they wouldn't, they were not able to leave anywhere. Uh, I even said that to the police, like, why why would we have offered as soon as she asked for a phone to call her dad for a ride home? Like we were like, yeah, uh, you know. And Tom brought her upstairs uh, to the kitchen phone, and then as soon as she's like, I can't get a ride, but I want to go home, uh, and she was trying to figure it out, you know, we. We offered, we're like, we'll take you home, no problem. So I'm not entirely sure how that impression had come about. But so at the, you know, the police read my statement, they read the statement to me, and, and, you know, I'm young, hubris, the hubris is high. Uh, And, you know, I'm I'm chuckling because I'm all like, this is so, like, far, so far from the truth. And, and, you know, I'm young, so, you know, I I don't know. I'm just like this is this is it's it's literally laughable, like how how absurd the the ending of this story you're telling me is, and you know the police officer told me to go get my my dad because you know they didn't have have to have my parents around to talk to me. I remember them mentioning that, um, because I was over the age of 18, I was I was 19 at the time. So I, I you know I call him my dad and my mom comes with me and you know they introduce themselves from the Brighton Police Department. They explain what's going on, and then they explain to my parents that, you know, they have to arrest me, and I have, you know, in order to do that, they have to bring me to the Brighton Police Department, uh, and they'll call them uh, when they figure out exactly uh, what's going on. So, or I don't know if I was under arrest. I think I was under arrest at that point. So, you know, because they didn't put the handcuffs on me because I was in... in uh, no, they did put the handcuffs on me. They apologized. It was it was dark though, and it was I remember leaves on the ground, so it had to be, it was fall, and you know they had to move stuff around in the back of their car, and they put they you know they apologized because they're like you know you know I know you're not going to do anything, but you know I have to do this because that's what I have you know that's the rules. So you know they drive me uh, from my parents' house in Penfield. I don't remember if we conversed on the way. Uh, I don't remember the car ride. Uh, so we get to the police department in Brighton off of Elmwood Avenue, uh, and, uh, you know, they, they put me in back, and, uh, and, and into an interrogation room, and, uh, one of them comes in and, you know, asks if I, if I want to tell my side of the story, and I, you know, uh, so at this point, the only previous law, law, law encounters I had was, was when, uh, Two, two different things, but the first thing, I'm not going to get into them now. The first one, I, I was represented by a public defender, and the second one, my dad, like, called a college buddy who was a partner in a law firm, and, um, any, uh, you know, got a lawyer from the, his law firm uh, that was a fucking pit bull, but, <laughs> so, I, uh, I, I don't really have that much experience uh, with this kind of thing, you know, so... I'm like, yeah, of course I want to tell my story because it's what she's saying didn't didn't fucking happen, you know. I, as soon, you know, she said no more, and and I stopped. Like, okay, like that was my whole point. Like, as soon as she told me to cut that shit out, I cut that shit out. So I, uh, you know, I I write down a statement and explain exactly what happened. You know, we go over to Tom's, we had some beers. You know, we, we, you know, I gra- grabbed her titties, you know, we were pl- fooling around, and then she said, cut it out, and I cut it out, and, like, that was my point, uh, you know, as soon as she said to cut that shit out, I cut that shit out, so, 
I make the statement and then they uh, fingerprint me and like take my picture and then they uh, inform me I'm being charged with uh, sexual abuse in the first degree, which is a uh, high class felony. I'm not sure of the class. I feel like it's a class A felony. Um, and I'm just like that, huh? And they go, well, she was, she's the girl, the girl is 16 and you're 19. And I, and I go, uh, uh, huh? And they go, yeah, Tom, Tom's still in high school, and he met her through a high school friend of his, and the girl's 16. And the, and the detective said, and that, then that's your problem. And I said, oh. So they said, well, you're, you're released on your own recognizance. Uh, you know, here's my desk phone. Call your dad to come pick you up. So I called my dad to come pick me up, and he picked me up, and it was late. It was like 10, 11 at night by this point. Because you know, and when you're, you're when you're engaged with law law enforcement, not uh, and it's not like you know uh, a gunfight or anything, or you know, you know it, things don't move fast. So uh, by this time it's later at night. He picks me up and just drives in kind of silence. I, I remember that. So after I get arrested, um, it's like the next night. Or no, it wasn't the next night. So I'm trying figure. I'm trying to figure shit out, right? Because I, I, I'm like this, you know. So I read up. I, I have uh, at my house. I, at the time, I had uh, copies of the vehicle and traffic law for the state of New York, and uh, the criminal procedure law, the CPL, uh, all for also for the state of New York. So I looked up uh, this charge that they they gave me because on the on the piece of paper they gave me, they had to write the charge, and it had a, all charges in New York are, are have numbers. So like you know. Uh, DWI is like a, an 1191. DWI uh, aggravated is like a DW or 1192. You know, so there's numbers for everything, and then there's decimal points, and it's very you know. But so it's 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 like a Dewey decimal system. So you open your book, uh, your you know your your CPL uh, book, and and you find the number code, and you read charge. So you know I look up sexual abuse in the first degree, and I read the criteria uh, that's listed, and, and like, I get mad, because I'm all like, what the fuck, this is not, I definitely didn't do this, like, beyond a doubt, so, so now I'm all like, fuck that, so I'm, I call, you know, I'm talking to Tom, and, and I'm all like, I'm taking this shit to trial, like, they, this is fucking ridiculous, so, uh, I have to have a lawyer for my first court date, uh, so my dad, and, my, and since I'm 19 and I live in my parents' house, my parents are, uh, have to provide this lawyer. So, you know, my dad, uh, the next day my dad had thrown me the phone book and says, you can either uh, look up your own lawyer or I can give you the number of um, Greg, the, the lawyer from the, the, my previous case. Uh, and... Uh, and he goes like, "But this is on you to figure out. You got yourself into this mess. You can figure out how to get yourself out." So I was all on my own, with like the fucking yellow pages and the telephone, being told like, "Good luck." So. I, uh, you know, I find a lawyer in the yellow pages I call and make an appointment, and uh, my dad has to drive me downtown, 
I go out by myself while my dad waits in the car. It was uh, the Powers Building on uh, Main Street and State Street. Uh, it was actually across from the building uh, my dad worked in when he was uh, worked at a bank, the first federal building. So I get this guy, this this lawyer Tom. I'm not gonna put all his, his I'm not gonna put the name out there, so like that. So his, I get the lawyer. His name's Tom. Uh, and I picked him out of the yellow pages. He had like a two full page ads, advertising his DWI experience and advertising his criminal law experience. So uh, you know we start talking and he asked and I explained what happened that night. And he basically accused me of lying to him, and, you know, after the third time of me being like, nah, motherfucker, this is what happened, like, I'm telling you the truth, he was like, okay, um, and then I had to bring my dad up, uh, lawyer Tom said he'd represent me, uh, but, there, you know, uh, his retainer was, uh, $3,000, and my dad kicked, uh, you know, gave him the credit card information, he said, uh, you know, he explained to my dad the price schedule. It wasn't cheap. Like, you know, this, in the end, this ended up costing, like, this lawyer ended up costing, like, five five grand. So, um, and I mean, this guy was an asshole. I ended up, like, uh, trying to fire him, but he, I couldn't. He sent, like, I don't even know. It turned into a shit show with this lawyer. But he ended up representing me to, uh, at the end, uh, you know, and that's all that really mattered. But so what... What happened was I, I took a plea deal, and I pled uh, guilty to one charge of endangering the welfare of a child, and this is how that came about, right? So I'm, I go to court. Uh, it's funny, like the first court date, I see Tom, and uh, you know Tom and I are sitting together, and his mom like screams at him from across the room to get over here, and uh, that was the last time I ever talked to Tom. So uh, Brighton Court. I had the male judge, there was two judges with the same last name that were not married, but uh, one was a female, one was a male, I had the male judge, so, you know, so I'm going to court, and, and shit, I don't even know how I was getting there, honestly, uh, I know sometimes I had to ride my bike, because what happened is I got kicked out of my parents' house, this is, this is the, you know, this was the, the catalyst for that, so I remember... Uh, branching off real quick. One night, I was, it was, you know, a little bit after my arrest. So I was arrested near the holidays. So in, like, January, uh, my dad, uh, right after, you know, uh, we done the whole holiday stretch was done, um, uh, my dad, like, threw me a newspaper and was like, you need to find yourself a place to live. Uh, you can no longer live here. Uh, I am legally required to provide your housing. I will pay up to $400. There you go. And went back to the office. So I had to... <laughs> I've never... At this point, I've never... You know, I lived at a friend's house for a little bit when I was 16. But I've never looked for an apartment before. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. So... I just look in the paper and circle everything that's in the budget and uh, start making phone calls. And uh, I ended up uh, landing an apartment in Irondequoit, uh right by the city, like literally, like, uh, you know, uh, half a block from the city limit. Uh, uh, I was on the good side of Culver Road right there uh, in, uh, in, a, in the Stitchworks building. And... Uh, 
you know, I was blessed that that, that's where I landed uh, for that little bit of time. Uh, But that's a whole other story. But so I had been kicked out, and and, uh, I had been riding my bike to court. That's how I ran into my dumbass. I, I was riding my bike to court. Dumbass was nannying a baby in the in the neighborhood, and she's walking the baby as I'm riding the bike past. Uh, and the fucker, the dumbass, said hello, and I stopped the bike. And it's fun. Uh, it's funny. We both used to joke like, if you only ha- if you had only kept your fucking mouth shut, you know, uh, <laughs> we would have never, never engaged in any of this. Uh, but the, you know, how many times in in life can you say that kind of thing? But so you know, I'd ride my bike to court. So the final disposition of my case was I was put, I pled guilty to one count of endangering the welfare of a child because I, I had let it go to the grand jury. So what happens is I get arrested for a felony and, and I'm entitled uh, to send it to, to, a, to what's called a grand jury where, where the prosecutor presents evidence um, and, and uh, the, uh, a bunch of people decide whether like the, the charge is warranted or not. Like... So, uh, I didn't testify at the grand jury. You should never testify at the grand jury. You can, the prosecutor can pretty much do whatever, ask you whatever, you know, so just, you're better off just sending it and seeing what happens. So I sent, sent the felony sexual abuse in the first degree to the grand jury, and the grand jury returned, uh, two counts with two, with three misdemeanors. There was two counts of forcible touching, no, two misdemeanors. One count of forcible touching and one, and one count of endangering the welfare of a child. Those were those were the two charges that the grand jury returned, and and that's what at that point I was faced with, no longer the felony. So that that in and of itself was was a small victory. So now I have to just you know now my lawyer has to work with the DA to figure out what we're going to do with these with these two misdemeanor charges and how to satisfy these charges. So it, and this whole process took a, a long time, like. Maybe a year, maybe longer. I don't even know. I feel like it was like a year and a half altogether. So I I ended up uh, pleading guilty to uh, endangering the welfare of a child, and I pled guilty to that because uh, yeah, I mean it sounds fucking horrible, but my option was that uh, plead to uh, endangering the welfare of a child and be put on misdemeanor probation. Uh, Plead guilty to. or, or no, that was the deal. Or, or go to trial uh, on these two charges of, for, you know, one forcible touch, one misdemeanor. But my lawyer had informed me, lawyer Tom informed me that uh, if I blew trial, which is the term if you lose, so if I blow trial, I'm, uh, I'd, I'd probably be on the hook for the forcible touching, and that was now like a, a registerable. It was, it, uh, you know, the law had changed, and it, it was a, a registerable uh, uh, offense. Uh, at a misdemeanor level, which means I would have had to register uh, as a sex offender, uh, the, the lowest level, I think at the level three, uh, uh, and I would have had to do that for the rest of my life, and, you know, at this point, I'm like 20 years old, so, I, and I live near a school, you know, a whole, it would have been a clusterfuck, and uh, I, w- I would never, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to do this podcast, so I, 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 I bit the bullet, and, and I and I. Sometimes you have you have two. Sometimes in life, you you get presented with two shit choices, and you get to and you get to pick which shitty shitty choice you get to make. And, and I picked uh, the less shit. The, uh, I, <laughs> I picked the less shittier of the two choices. I guess I don't even know with the way everything turned out. 
But so I took the char, uh, this this charge, and, or, and uh, I was put on probation uh, for three years, and you know, it was all downhill from that there really. But that you know, I don't want to get too too involved. But you know, the topic is one one night changed my life, and and that's the that's the story of how one night changed my life. Because now I'm I'm 20 years old and I'm proba- probation. Uh, and you know, I a lot it happened. I was on, I was you know I was selling weed and coke with a kid uh, in the interim. Like shit shit got real crazy after uh, my my parents kicked me out. But that's another story for another time. So yeah, that one uh, one night uh, readjusted the trajectory of my life. Uh, and you know, a lot of the times I, when I want to feel sorry for myself, I just I always remind myself I wouldn't be uh, where I am today. I wouldn't be who I am today. And. Um, you know, it's it's not anything I have to go through anymore. It's it's stuff that I've gone through. So, uh, yeah. So that's all I got for you today. Um, I'm not sure when I'm going to podcast again. I don't want to make any promises. Uh, I will try to come up with a topic for tomorrow. Uh, maybe uh, I'll talk about my Arundaquai apartment. Uh, you know, that'll be a good. This is that'll be a good next topic, I guess. Uh, again, any feedback from uh, from listeners can go to rustbeltblues at protonmail.com. That's uh, rustbeltblues at protonmail.com. I do take suggestions. I take criticism, uh, as long as it's constructive. Uh, you know, any, anything. Questions, topic suggestions, all that stuff. So thanks for joining me here for this little bit of time we've had together. And uh, I'll see you next time here on the Rust Belt Blues Podcast. Stay safe. Remember you're loved and needed in this world, folks.